and welcome to Reaccess Podcast. My name is Alina and I'm the host of today's episode titled Russia and the US with Feeds Us. And my co-hosts are Inez and Christina. Today we're going to talk about food and food stereotypes of both countries. First of all, let's take a look at some statistics. My teammate Anna and I kindly asked our Access community to take part in our survey about eating habits and preferences. And now we're very glad to announce some interesting facts. All Access alumni and teachers use food delivery services. 71% of them buy food for their lunch and 38% cook it and bring it to work or university. The stereotype that Russians constantly eat soup turned out to be not a stereotype at all. 28% of respondents eat soup several times a week, and 19% of people eat soup every day. We also have many coffee lovers here. Nearly one-third of respondents can't live without coffee. Many people have chosen Italian, Asian, American, and Russian cuisine as their favorite. We are so grateful to everyone who joined this survey from our Russian Access community. And speaking of which, we know that many great Access alumni celebrate their birthdays in April. We wish you happy birthday, enjoy your cake, and this episode about tasty food. And now we will have a very interesting and lively discussion about food with our guests from the USA. Our interviewer, Aisha, will guide us. So let's get it started. Hello, everyone. My name is Aisha, and in today's episode, our guests are Eric and Jacob. Hi, Eric. Hi, Jacob. Hello. Good Hello. evening. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for having me for tonight. My name is Eric Mortaya. I am currently in Washington, D.C., I teach ESL for uh, high schoolers. I've uh, been doing that for about two years. And um, during the times that I have been teaching, I was also teaching uh, college students for um, for Russian students, you know, college and Russian. So um, I have been uh, doing a, a little bit of cultural exchange and it definitely is a pleasure to be here with you guys. Thank you. We also have Jacob. Yes, hi. Thank you for having me on the, the podcast. I am a university student. I'm from Lake Charles, Louisiana. I've had an interest in the Russian culture for about a over a little over a year now. So I'm very excited to be here today. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, nice to meet you too. Well, the first question today will be, what does food mean to you? Do you cook? And maybe how often do you buy food? Or do you order food often? What are common fast restaurants? Well, I am a big foodie. I love to cook. I pretty much cook every day. I rarely eat outside uh, for the most part. I prefer to make my meals at home. I also like to bake a lot. I also enjoy um, cooking food from different parts of the world. So I'm pretty versatile in Italian meals as well as um, Indian food, Chinese dishes. So for the most part, anything that you can name of, I pretty much know how to make it. That's really interesting and cool. I would definitely like to try some of your yes, Awesome, awesome. I mean, I have an account. You're more than welcome to uh, add me there. That shows 
all the steps that I do, the recipes as well. I became so hungry when I saw your account. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, you, you, you saw it. Oh. And the an inspiration to cook. Yeah. And what about who take Well, I live in the South, and in the South United States, especially in Louisiana, where I'm from, uh, food is an extremely important part of our culture. And I would say, many people would say that New Orleans, um, the biggest city, or I guess the most popular city in our state has some of the best food in the world. It's a bold claim, but it's definitely true if you've ever tried it. Um, our restaurants are mostly Creole and Cajun based, and we have a lot of food that's um, very traditional in our culture. But uh, besides that, we also have our standard fast food places too. Like we have McDonald's, Burger King, uh, Taco Bell. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the same all over the U.S. Same here. Um, yeah, so I'm glad that we actually have Americans from <laughs> from different parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in where I live, Washington, I would say the dishes that we identify with a lot is our uh, crab cakes. Mm, yes. Uh, live near the Chesapeake Bay. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would say, yeah, we're big seafood eaters here. Great, great. We're also pretty big into the seafood scene ourselves. Um, we, yes. we do crawfish boils. It's a yeah, very important part of just life in Louisiana. Just everyone wow. has a crawfish boil at their mm-hmm. house. I want to say on, on the topic of food delivery and eating out, uh, we, we normally eat out at restaurants a lot, um, especially here because there's just a lot of seafood restaurants, a lot of there's also a lot of Mexican restaurants, too, because we're very close to the Texas-Mexico mm-hmm. uh, border area. And um, there's, there's a pretty big scene in that. But um, in my city in particular, it's not a very big city. So we don't have food delivery. Mm-hmm. We have it, but it's very rare. No one ever uses mm-hmm. it. It's very expensive. Oh. Yeah, here with, the, with inflation, prices have really gone over the roof. And um Mm-hmm. That's another reason too why I just prefer to cook my meals at home. It's just you know, especially with like yeah. you know, having to to add up the delivery fees and you also got the tips that you have to add up there as well. Like it can be pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean uh crayfish, never tried it, but I'm hope looking forward to trying it one day. Yes. <laughs> There's a cultural difference uh, right there. Cultural difference. Crawfish, crayfish. Right. That's very, very interesting. I haven't been to New Orleans. I'd love to go there someday. Um, Definitely recommend it. It's a, it's a cultural mm-hmm. experience for sure. And uh, I've never myself been to Washington, um, but just the, the area, the landscape up there is beautiful from what I've heard. So I definitely love to check it out. Right. Like the scenery and everything, you know, you can be in the city and then like 20 minutes away, you're near the mountains. Right. That's beautiful. Thank you. And I've been to Washington, D.C. and Texas. Yeah, and I tried food there. And the interesting thing that I was shocked by, I know, the lack of soup. (laughs) Because I love soup. And it was hard for me to find it. I would say (laughs) in the U.S. here, we are, well, at least I'm from what I'm talking about, my experience here in, in the Mid-Atlantic, we are a big fan of cheddar cheese and broccoli soup. 
Uh, I've never cried. <laughs> in the South, not a huge fan of soup, um, but they're definitely around. At the place where I live, it's Ufa, Republic of Bashkortostan. It's mostly like Muslim Republic, mm-hmm. I would say, as well as Tatarstan. And mm-hmm. here, a lot of food is halal. halal. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. it means halal, yeah. But here you can find ham too and Russian salad. It's the fat of the ham, right? Yeah, it's fat of the ham. And mm-hmm. the Russian culture is mostly Christian and it's mm-hmm. blended with Muslim culture here. And it's really interesting mixture. Yeah, like. Like even with dishes, there's a dish that you guys have, which is palau. Yeah. It's very similar to the um, Uzbek palau, Afghan palau, you know, which is passed on to Russia. So it's very interesting. So I can definitely see the resemblance when you say, you know, that there's a lot of similarities, you know, with the Islamic culture. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. interesting thing about Bashkir and Tatar kitchen that you Put this mixture of potato and mm-hmm. meat and onion to the different form of dough, mm-hmm. and you have like vabbelis. It looks like dumpling, but <laughs> yeah, it's like dumpling, but it's fried dumpling, mm-hmm. I think. Right, right, yeah, like it, it's very similar. Like here, we will call something mm-hmm. like that, like meat pies or turnover. Yeah, you can actually find in Russian kitchen, piroshki. It's like mm-hmm. small pies. And it looks similar too. I'm familiar, yeah. They have different fillings, like with cabbage, with potato, with mushrooms. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. I really love them. It's comfortable to take them with you to some place. Right. Yeah, they make a great snack. And one of the most shocking salads in Russia is is herring under the coat. Mm-hmm. Even Russian people, not all of them love it, but it's a traditional dish for New Year especially. Like, oh. there should be herring under the coat at New Year. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah, and talking about food delivery, it's actually free. Well, um, it's the opposite for us. I mean, it depends on which place you take delivery. Mm. Like, you having your food at some restaurant that is already on their list, they take your food to you for free. And we often use delivery. But it's common to cook here too, and we have some traditional kitchens, like cafes that are um, cooking for home, like you can take fresh food, so you'll cook it at home, but they're really similar to the homemade food. And it's cool because sometimes you just don't have time, and you want to eat something like your mm-hmm. mama did. Very interesting. It's yeah. good. Yeah, so hmm Yep. I'm very surprised at the free delivery aspect. Like that's uh that's so foreign to me. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm really surprised. Wow. Yeah, that's funny. And I've I've seen videos of the Russian food delivery guys like, climbing over mountains of snow and fences wow. to get to their destination. <laughs> <It's>, yeah. <laughs> when uh, our delivery people would just give up. Um, if if they encounter a puddle, they would just throw the food and <laughs> and go. 
The work is actually hard oh, because yes. um, the payment there is not really like the money that the people pay you for delivery comes for you, but it goes to the company and then company decides how much they would pay you. So oh, it's like one-sided. So it will be more comfortable for the clients, but much harder for the delivery people. Right. Right. And it's uh, it's tip based for us. Mm. So the company mm. usually doesn't pay, but the customer that ordered food pays. And it's pretty notorious that food delivery drivers don't make any don't make much money at all. I respect what they do a lot because. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to. Yeah. So. And then you also have to deal with hungry customers and, you know, sometimes they get impatient and. They take out their anger out on you just because the mm-hmm. food took so long. They blame it at the driver. So it's obviously not fair, you know, but. <laughs> yeah. And the second question is, what do you think about Russian food and how do you imagine it? Do you think it differs a lot from American food and would you like to try it? I am familiar with, um, I'm probably butchering the name, Pierogi, Pierogi. Pierogi, um, yeah. there's a brosh, no, burch, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, to be honest, with uh, Russian food, I haven't really gone into the cuisine. Like, I haven't really tried Russian food, yet, but it's something that I would like to get into, especially with cooking. I would say the closest that I've made was... Uh, uh, but I think you have it in Russia. It's called Pasca. Pasca. Yeah. You have it during Easter. So I've made that. Anything else that relates to Russian food, I haven't made it. But I would like to learn. Okay. That's cool. What about you, Jake? Well, um, before before I started researching a little bit into it, mm-hmm. uh, before I had taken up an interest in the culture, I had next to no knowledge about any kind of Russian cuisine. Just because um, we never really discussed anything like that in school, we never mm-hmm. we never went over cultures right. besides European culture in school, and uh, it's it's a shame. It's really a shame. But before I had done research on it, I would have assumed that Russian cuisine was mostly consisting of bread and different kinds of. I, this is gonna sound very ignorant of me, but it's. I would have assumed it was mostly bread and different kinds of like dumplings and soups, which is not too far mm-hmm. off, I imagine. But the only foods that I knew <laughs> of was borscht and pilmeni. Mm. But they're so, popular, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's. You know, I do know another mm-hmm. dish. Well, I would say it's more like an appetizer, draniki, but I think that's Belarusian, right? More Belarusian. Yeah, I think. Do you also have that in Russia too, Draniki? Yeah, I love Draniki. Oh. They're really tasty and crispy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, in in terms of does it differ from American cuisine? Yeah, totally. It, it's very different. And mm-hmm. I I know I'm not sure about um, what your diet would be like over there, Eric. But um, in the South, especially in my state, our diet consists of mostly rice. Oh. We eat a ton of rice because we we grow a lot of rice here. I I grew mm-hmm. up next to a rice farm so <laughs> we we eat a lot of rice we eat a lot of beef chicken um and seafood but um i've also heard that pork is more 
popular in the U.S. than it is in Russia. I think, yeah. And, I mean, given yeah. the popularity of, of bacon and sausage, I can see that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a lot of sausages here, too. Like, mm-hmm. But we call it a little bit different, kalbasa. There's different types. And it doesn't really mm-hmm. mean what it means mm-hmm. in Germany or in the U.S. Less meaty. Mm, um, less meaty. Yeah. Okay. Interesting, interesting. And I was really shocked about rice because I thought it's not really popular in the US. I mean, here and in, in my area, it's a, it's very popular. Um, I would say in in my house, um, we eat rice probably four to five times a week, like four or five days a week is a rice meal, mm-hmm. and then other days. So we eat a lot of rice and gravy, rice pork chops, rice beef. Um, it could be rice and chicken. Like we just we love rice over here. It's, it's yeah. And if I ever go to places like up north, mm-hmm. um, and their restaurants don't have rice-based meals, I I'm often at a loss of what to order. Like if there's no rice, what am I supposed to eat? Right. Like I would say in in my area, yes. Um, if you want to look for rice, it's best to go to the ethnic restaurants. Like. You know, you go to Chinese or Indian or, but other than that, yes, rice, like as a staple dish here in, in the Washington area, I cannot recall it any uh, dish that has with rice. Again, we mostly eat fried rice, if you can count that, but it's mostly Chinese. Uh, it's, it's close enough. It's definitely not rice and gravy. But, but yeah, as you can see, there's a lot of difference between the Southern culture compared to, yeah. although Washington is not really North, but yeah, Northern Virginia mm-hmm. here where I live, it's a very different vibe here. We have people of different parts of the world. So when it comes to uh, food, we get influenced by their dishes here. So you have plazas where you can find Ethiopian food. You can find, there's even Russian food. Wow. Not too, not too far from me. There's a Russian uh, market not too far as well. So it's it's a very diverse area where I live. That's yeah, that's very interesting because I I live in a smaller I live in a smaller city. It's a pretty small city. And we have almost no diversity at all when it comes to um ethnic oh. foods and especially just the type mm-hmm. of people that I come into contact with. I I never right. met um I had never really met anybody who was from another country until I went to university and we had these foreign exchange students coming in and we have a lot of people from Nepal to bed. And we also have a ton of people um, from Brazil, Portugal. There's a ton of people from there. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. I had actually never met Mm -hmm. a Russian until like two years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. So yeah, where where I live, it's just, different ethnicities come into play, which influences a lot with our, uh, the food culture here. So here you can pretty much find everything. That's really interesting. I think it's cool to live in such a number of different cultures and to learn more about them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And talking more about home and house and daily routine, is it okay to walk in shoes or sneakers at home? It really depends on whose house you're going to. Yeah, it's um, it's mostly the same over here. It just depends on who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Because every time I went to friends' houses, it was always take your shoes off or 
ew, you take your shoes off? That's weird. <laughs> it's it's completely yeah. different for everyone. Yeah, um, in Russia, mostly it's not allowed to walk in shoes. Mm. Like we oh. have home sweepers, tapuchki, mm. for home, or we walk in socks or barefoot. It depends on the temperature, but mostly. Like you can find sweepers at every house that mm -hmm. entering, and there are special guest sweepers. Mm -hmm. Really? Um, so guests have slippers for themselves. Yeah. Wow. Sometimes okay. you bring your sweepers with yourself. Mm. Interesting. What did you say the slippers were called? Tapichki. Tapichki. Yeah. Is that with an is that with an e or um, the e? Tapochki, like e. Pochki. Okay. Yeah. And how dress code varies from place to place? Is there a difference when you go out with your friends or for some market for groceries? Because there's a stereotype in Russia that people in America can just go out in their pajamas and slippers. Even to school. I've seen <laughs> it's it. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's with the younger generation. Uh, mm -hmm. Um, we we love wearing pajamas and just uh, being comfortable all the time. Right, it's it's strange. Yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't say there's a dress code. Um, <laughs> if you go to a wedding, that's you know you expect it to look nice or a job interview. Yeah. Uh, even in jobs, like for example, like where I work as a teacher, we don't have a strict dress code. It's not like we have to wear a shirt and a tie or anything. As long as we are wearing something that doesn't display anything like bad words or anything graphical. But other than that, I mean, we're, you know, we we have special days too where we have pajama days or we will have um, tie dye shirt days. So I mean, it goes yeah. to show like how you know, like, like here, for the most part, we just like to dress casual, very casual, very comfortable. We um. We had uniforms in my school, mm. so I think Louisiana, most of the schools there, I'm not 100% sure, but most of the schools require um, a school uniform. So you would go to a store and you would buy um, from the expansive selection of blue, green, or white polo shirts yeah. oh, wow. and <laughs> khaki shorts or skirt, and that's what you would wear to school. And because of that dress code, in college, after most of us graduate, we get very relaxed with our dress code. We uh, we wear whatever. Interesting. So even yeah. even in public schools, they have uniforms too. Yeah, in public schools, there's uniforms. And we had a uniform at school too. Teachers were really serious about that, and now okay. we're just going crazy as students at university. Oh wow! And. Wow. Talking about university, is it normal for students to walk? Nowadays, I mean, I only, I only had just one student tell me that he's been working after school. Really? Yeah. Only one? Yeah. Okay. I wonder if that's a um, cultural difference just between states, because in my school, <clears throat> and even now in university, everybody works. Every single person works. And I want to say it's because we need vehicles. We need to pay for gas. We need to pay for vehicles. Oh, and oh, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was referring to high schoolers. I thought, yeah, in, in high school high, too. High school. Oh, okay, yeah. Obviously, college students. Yes, here, college students. They 
have a job and they take night classes or they'll take online classes or, you know, whatever that fits their schedule. Yeah. I mean, all college students work, but um, Hmm. even, even when I was in school, um, I, I was working, I was working full-time actually in school, but Hmm. uh, it's, it's pretty rare to see a student um, not doing any kind of work or extracurricular activity because the thing is like you work or you're an athlete. Right. And, and if you're not doing either of those, then <laughs> your, your parents are probably not going to be too happy. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So the work is first and then the education is the yeah, second I, part. I would honestly say that uh, in, in my area, work is definitely first and higher education is kind of second because people mostly just graduate and then mm-hmm. they go straight into working into factories. Mm-hmm. That's what people do or trade. Right. Same here. But that, that could be different for other places because I know a lot of places with like um, larger universities, mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot more people tend to gravitate towards the universities, but just in my area, it's a very conservative place and people grew up you, if you want to be successful, you have to work hard. And that's mm-hmm. the mindset that people learn growing up. Mm-hmm. I think it's really very rise in Russia, but it's considered more successful and better thing to study more. And in Russian universities, it's mostly considered that you don't really want to be a professional in the future if you study and work. Sometimes they even restrict that and like all our day is mostly consist of studying but it depends on different universities too and if we mostly study full day people don't have time for their work yeah like, that's um that's very different mm-hmm. but some people just go to factories go to i don't know markets start their own business mm-hmm. or try to start because it's hard to start your business without education. Mm-hmm. I've I've heard that there was a stereotype or a joke of people who just wanted to go and work at a factory and just live a simple life. There's still stereotype about people like that. Yeah, Rabochi. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's funny. Waking up at five a.m. to go to the factory and live my life. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. We can definitely relate to those jokes. It's pretty funny. Yeah, and uh, I think that's it. More questions? Uh, I would say, well, it was definitely a pleasure to um, having this uh, meeting with you guys, uh, discussing about uh, our different cultures, uh, culinary experience, and, you know, even things that, that we can talk about that relates to one another. So, you know, I, I've managed to learn a lot about Russian culture as well as even New Orleans. You know, a lot of uh, interesting mm-hmm. facts that I learned from Jacob. So as you can see, you know, the U.S. is a very big country. And I mean, I would love to um, see as much as I can. You know, it's always a, a very nice experience being able to uh, meet with someone who, you know, you're in the same country, but sometimes it's as if you're in a different country at the same time with that person. So it's definitely yeah. been a pleasure. And you know, it was a really great session. It was, it was. Yeah, uh, it was a very, very good experience. I learned a lot and I'm honestly interested in learning more, especially about the cuisine too, because mm-hmm. I, I would like to see more about that. I've never tried Russian cuisine. 
Uh, we don't have any restaurants in my state that I know of. I've tried looking for them. We just don't have any. So mm. I'd have to, <laughs> I'd have to go out of my way to experience it. Right. Yeah, like here in DC, uh, where I live, I mean, it's literally just like 25 minutes away, but it's not like Russian cuisine is popular here. You know, it's not like in New York. New York, there's actually a neighborhood where it's near, uh, I would say it's in Brooklyn, Brighton Beach. It's known for Russians there. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, it was a really uh, great pleasure talking with you guys. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to meet with me and to be guest in our podcast. It was really interesting to talk to you. I've learned a lot of things, actually, especially some food and their life. And yeah, thank you a lot. Thank you, everyone, for sharing your amazing stories with us. My name's Inas, and I'm the host for our second part of the episode. And now it's time to give a word to Natalia from a social team with access news, recommendations, and more interesting. Hi, it's time for jokes. What do you call a sunburn potato in Paris? A French fry! What do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. Today's recommendation is an absolutely charming story about a little girl who loved to cook and accidentally become a restaurant critic. The story is written in a simple language and is suitable even for beginners to learn English. The sweet story will not leave you indifferent to the fate of a main character. And especially the book will appeal to all fans of delicious food from all over the world. After listening to our episode, you can subscribe to the VK newsletter and receive a card quizlet with the vocabulary that the guests used. Also check out the link in the re-access podcast description and join our team if you are an Access alumni or Access teacher. See you! Wow, interview was really gripping and intriguing. There were so many interesting and useful words and phrases. So I'm Christina and I'm the host. Now I'm going to discuss them with you. Stick around, because it will be a fascinating analysis of vocabulary. So let's get started. Eric said that he is a big foodie. Nice phrase, isn't it? It means he is a person who loves food, likes cooking, and is very interested in different types of food. So we can say that he is a gourmet connoisseur in this sphere. Go over the roof. As a rule, this phrase relates to prices. So in, in the interview, it sounded like with inflation, prices have really gone over the roof. It means to increase to a very high level, escalate in a short time. Also, you can encounter another variation of this collocation, like go through the roof. Moreover, skyrocket is a synonym. It means to move into some position with remarkable speed. As for prices, you also can say that they have skyrocketed. Notorious. It means famous for something bad. Synonyms are infamous, disgraceful. Jacob said that he had next to no knowledge in Russian cuisine. 
So next to no or next to nothing means shortage of something, have a really small amount of it. Let's go further. Feelings. This is a food that is put inside things such as cakes, pastry, etc. Bold claim. Great expression. It means a confident statement or even an audacious statement about something. That was all for today. I hope you had a great time and it was valuable for you. So, use these phrases in your daily speech to sound more native. And kindly remind you not forget to leave any comments, participate in our activities and make this community better together. For Russian Access alumni or an Access teacher, check out the VK link in the description of the ReAccess podcast and join our wonderful community. And we'll do everything in our power to help you enjoy learning English. Stay tuned for the upcoming episode focused on technologies for efficient English learning. I'm Anas and my co-hosts are Elena and Christina. The tech team are Vika and Aisha. The social news teller is Natalia and Katya, the director of the episode. And this was the ReAccess podcast. See you next time.